the gospel, uh, no, it's not in the gospel. We have been in the gospels, but this morning we are, start, we are continuing the book of Acts. And if I am not mistaken, it's the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 to 23. 26. Oh, wow. <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's open our, word, uh, our Bibles in uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 26. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried. From they lay daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him. As did John and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or in gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the particle called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorify his servant, Jesus, whom you deliver over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you deny the holy and righteous one and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. And you kill the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To these we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has been, has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, 
I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and may come and that, the, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all these all things about which God spoke by the, mo, by, by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your, bro from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good morning, church. Those of you here and those of you online, it's good that we can be here this morning uh, to praise the Lord and uh, to witness the baptism. Thank you, Song Lee, for your testimony, lifting high the name of Jesus. And um, thank you also for your prayers and uh, birthday wishes. Uh, I'm happy to tell you that 70, is 21 in Celsius. <laughs> I've decided, I've decided to start talking about my age in Celsius. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, grace, and mercy which you pour out to us. Lord, as we gather here this morning, may we hear from you. May you speak into the depths of our being. Lord, we want to be more like Jesus. Please change us. Make us more like Jesus, we pray in his holy name. Amen. Have you ever averted your eyes 
from someone who is begging on the street as you walk by. I remember once when Anne and I were in India in a taxi on our way to the Taj Mahal. Traffic was heavy and stalled in every direction. Cars were bumper to bumper and horns were blaring. And there in the middle of the street, amongst all the cars in this traffic jam, there were all kinds of people begging, begging. And I remember they came up to our taxi and they were knocking, knocking on the window. And they were there. There were, there were old men. There were women holding little babies. There were, there were children, little children with their hands being holding out and, and doing this, saying that they, showing us that they needed food. Inside the taxi, there was a curtain on the window. And our taxi driver called out to us, Close the curtain. Close the curtain. Often we avoid looking at those in need because we just don't want to get involved. Today's scripture reading is about a beggar, a man crippled since birth more than 40 years earlier. This beggar spent his days begging for money outside one of the gates of the temple in Jerusalem. It was a gate called Beautiful, known as the Beautiful Gate because it was exquisitely carved in bronze. And one day, as, he, as this beggar was being carried to his usual spot to beg for alms, he noticed Peter and John heading into the temple for the 3 p.m. hour of prayer. Alms for the poor, alms for the poor, please help a crippled man. Over the years, he must have said words just like that, perhaps millions of times, without even thinking, without even looking up at the at the people who were passing him by on the street. But Peter and John did not avert their eyes. They didn't look the other way. In fact, the message translation of the Bible says they looked him straight in the eye. And the very first words that Peter and John asked, asked to this beggar were, look at us. He fixed his attention upon them, thinking at that point that, he was, that they were going to give him some money. But it wasn't what he was expecting. There was no $50 bill, no $20 bill, not even a dime. Look at us, Peter and John told the beggar. They didn't want him to miss or to misunderstand what they were about to give him. A gift more precious than silver or gold. I have no silver or gold, 
Peter told him, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Saying that, Peter took the beggar by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately he leapt up and began walking. He entered the temple then with Peter and John, all the while walking and leaping and praising God. And when the people in the temple saw him, they couldn't believe their eyes. They all knew who he was. He was that, that guy, that, that beggar that was always there, out by the beautiful gate. He was that lame man who couldn't walk, and now he was walking. And not just walking, but he was leaping and praising God. The Bible tells us the people there were filled with wonder and amazement. You see, God doesn't close the curtain on us. He doesn't avert his eyes from anyone. Not this beggar, not you, not me. When I was a little boy in Sunday school, there was a, a song we used to sing. Maybe you've heard it. God sees the little sparrow fall. It meets his tender view. If God so loves the little birds, I know he loves me too. He doesn't miss anything. God sees everything, even the little sparrows that fall. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. His eyes, the eyes of the Lord, watching over everyone in the earth. Imagine that. Imagine that. His eyes fixed upon us to bless us. And the way he best blesses us most profoundly is through Jesus. You see, sin, sin that's in all of us, separates us from God. Sin in us wants no part of God. Sin in us causes us to turn the other way, to avert our eyes from God. But God, God in his love and in his mercy has taken the initiative by coming to our world in Jesus. He came, paid the penalty for our sins, and by dying on the cross enabled us to be with him. And then at Pentecost, as Pastor Marvin mentioned last week, at Pentecost, Jesus sent his spirit upon his followers. Through his spirit, Jesus comes to live in his people. How amazing. How amazing is that? How wonderful is that? That's how God reaches out to us. 
Instead of avoiding us, he looks at us. He looks at us with compassion and mercy. And he not only looks at us, he puts his very life in us. And that's what happened with Peter and John. At Pentecost, they were, they were filled with God's spirit, the spirit of Jesus. Before that, they were fearful. Fearful that the same fate that happened to Jesus might very well happen to them. But with the coming of the Holy Spirit, suddenly, instead of being fearful, they became fearless. Before Pentecost, they were melancholy and sad because all their hopes and all their dreams had died with Jesus on the cross. But at Pentecost, at Pentecost with Jesus living in them by his Holy Spirit, they had so much joy they couldn't possibly contain it. With the coming of God's Spirit, they knew with certainty that Jesus was alive. He was living in them. The love of God, the hope of God, the mercy of God, the power of God in Jesus Christ was now at work in them. And not only at work in them, he was also working through them. God doesn't avoid us. He doesn't turn the other way. He comes to us. He looks at us with compassion. He comes to live in us and fill us with his love. Look at us, said Peter to the beggar. I have no silver or gold. I have no silver or gold, he told the layman, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. When Peter and John said to the layman, look at us, they were pointing him to Jesus who lived within them. Look at us, they were telling the layman, and you will see Jesus. You will see Jesus working, working in an amazing way. And with that, Peter grabbed him by the right hand and immediately his ankles were made strong. Notice Peter's words to the beggar. What I have, I give you. Peter and John had Jesus living alive and living in them by his Holy Spirit. Is Jesus alive in you? He makes all the difference. He makes all the difference in the world. I read about an 83-year-old man from the African country of Burundi in Central Africa. During the civil war and horrific genocide that happened there, he lost everything he had, everything. His house was destroyed, his wife, 
and all seven of his children were killed. And after five days of walking to a mission camp in order to find food, he told one of the missionaries, I never knew all I needed was Jesus until Jesus was all I had. Somebody else put it this way. They said, we can live a long time without food, and we can live even a few days without water, but none of us can live without hope. Jesus gives us the hope of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. The life of God becomes ours through Jesus. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus is too good, too amazing to keep to ourselves. All around us, all around us, there are people who desperately, desperately need Jesus Christ. But we cannot give what we do not have. Do you have Jesus? You know, so often, so often we underestimate God. As one preacher put it, we underestimate God's pleasure in doing good. We seek so much less than God intends. God is far more generous than we give him credit. All too often, we're a lot like that lame man. Year after year, there he was outside the temple in Jerusalem, begging, begging for alms, expecting nothing more than some spare change thrown his way. He was just expecting on this particular day when Peter and John walked up to the temple for prayer. He was just expecting a few coins to be thrown his way. While God had in mind so much more. God had in mind to heal him. You see, that man's expectations were way too low. And friends, that's often the way it is with us. What are you expecting from God? What are you expecting when you come to church Sunday mornings? Meet a few friends? Go to church and maybe sing a few songs? Say a few prayers? And hope the sermon won't be too long. Some people go to church all their life, and that's all that they expect. But as we gather together to worship him, we have Jesus promised to us to meet with us, to comfort us, to challenge us, to love us, to forgive us, to save us, and to grow us to become more and more like him. Do you see? Do you see? What he wants to give us is so much more than anything that we might ask or think. Jesus is among us. 
to give us his very life, to put his very life into us so that we can then pass on that life to others, to pass on his life to those who desperately need him. And if Jesus is alive in you, are you expecting him to bless others through you? Are you expecting that? Expect nothing less. He puts his life in you and me so that we can be conduits, so that we can be channels of his hope, his love, his mercy, and yes, his healing. That's what Peter and John were doing that day. That day when they met the lame man. So when the people in the temple that day saw this lame man walking and leaping and praising God, a crowd gathered. They gathered together a crowd in that temple courtyard. They were amazed. They were astounded. Well, how could they not be? How could they not be? What was going on, they wondered. And so Peter immediately stood, stood up and went forward to, in, among that crowd in the temple courtyard, and he started to preach. He started to preach a sermon. That's what verses 11 to 26 of today's reading are. The sermon that Peter preached in the temple courtyard. And just as Peter had focused the layman's attention upon Jesus, now in this sermon, Peter focused the crowd's attention upon Jesus. Many in the crowd must have thought that Peter and John were some kind of holy healers, holy men who did this healing themselves, who enabled this man to walk. But right from the start, Peter makes it clear that he and John were not the ones who had healed this lame man. Verse 12, why do you stare at us, said Peter, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? No, 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 it wasn't us, said Peter. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. And Peter continues in verse 16, the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. It was Jesus who healed this man. And in this sermon, Peter doesn't even bother to talk. He just barely gives passing mention to the man who was healed. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about what happened in this miracle. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about how his ankles were strengthened. He doesn't go into any detail about that. He just keeps pointing the crowd to Jesus. Over and over again, the entire service, the entire focus of his sermon is on Jesus. 
In this sermon, Peter preaches Jesus Christ and him crucified. And notice, notice this, Peter preaches Christ from the New Testament, excuse me, from the Old Testament. Did you notice that? Peter preaches Christ from the Old Testament. Don't let anyone ever tell you that the Old Testament is not about Jesus Christ. As Peter points out in this sermon, Jesus is the fulfillment of every prophecy in the Old Testament. Verse 18, Peter told them, God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, not just one or two, but of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer. Just as a for instance, consider Isaiah. It was Jesus about whom Isaiah prophesied when he wrote, when he, wrote he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and by his wounds we are healed. Peter in his sermon drives home this point. He says Moses pointed to Jesus. Samuel pointed to Jesus. Abraham, even Father Abraham pointed to Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah, says Peter, the Christ, the long-expected one who died and rose again. And what they have seen with this dead man leaping, or sorry, lame man leaping, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied that when God's anointed one, the, Holy, the, the Messiah returns, he said, then the eyes of the blind shall see, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a, like a deer. That's Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. Do you see? Peter focuses the attention of everyone in that crowd there in the courtyard upon Jesus over and over and over again. And as they look to Jesus, the Lord doesn't, as they look to Jesus, the Lord doesn't close the curtain. He doesn't turn away. With mercy and compassion, he looks on all those who turn their eyes to him. Nothing, nothing escapes his notice. He sees each person just as they are, with sin, with their sin exposed, his blood washes them clean. This is the mercy and the compassion of Jesus at work. It's a moment that both breaks the heart and brings great joy. And so Peter, in that moment, called out to them, repent and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
Many years later, Peter wrote a letter. A letter explaining what happens when we catch sight of Jesus and his loving glance falls upon us. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter wrote this. He said, according to his great mercy, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the writer of Hebrews said. That's what the lame man did. He fixed his eyes on Jesus. That's what the crowd in the temple did. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. And that's what we are called to do this morning. To rivet our attention, to fix our eyes on Jesus. As we do that, Jesus doesn't close the curtain on you or me. Instead, as we look at him, his eye of love and mercy and compassion falls upon us. In that moment, his mercy washes away our sin by his blood. And his compassion refreshes us by his Holy Spirit. All this, all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, oh Lord, we thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that you, in your great love, don't turn away from us. You don't avert your eyes from us. You look at us with mercy and grace. And as we look at you, Lord, we are changed. We are made new. We are made whole. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you do for us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.